Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, a closer look at the serious problem of swatting, those false bomb threats and active shooter alerts at schools that are a growing concern among law enforcement both locally and around the country. Also this morning, Breakdown, the latest book from National Geographic Kids. It's a how things work look at how things don't. And the cool autumn air is here. The colors of the season can't be far behind. October is a great time to enjoy the programs and activities of the Hancock Park District. Michelle Rumschlag will tell us what's happening. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, September 27th, 2022. Today is Ancestor Appreciation Day. It is uh, National Chocolate Milk Day. Also, National Corned Beef Hash Day. (laughs) National Crush-A-Can Day. It is the National Day of Forgiveness, and this may be the most important observance of the day. Maybe the most important observance of the year. It is morning show host day. How about that? Definitely have to mention that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, have you seen the uh, the pictures people uh, preparing for Hurricane Ian and, and getting out of Dodge? It's going to be a, a pretty strong hurricane that uh, is not going to make landfall for a couple of days yet. All of the uh, storm prediction tracks have it uh, heading straight toward Tampa, but it's going to be... Uh, a couple of days at least yet before it makes landfall. But the, they're going to feel the effects much sooner than that. In fact, uh, what, later on today, they should, I guess, start to feel some of the outer bands or something. They're, it's going to start to get real nasty real quickly, so people are uh, getting out. I've told this story before. Um, if you have never been in a hurricane evacuation zone, it is... Uh, a little unnerving. Uh, our family had that happen one time. We were on a family vacation uh, down to the uh, Gulf Coast when a uh, smaller hurricane was, it looked like it was tracking straight for our location. So we got caught up in the in the evacuation order, and uh, which at the time was a little unnerving. Later, I thought, hey, you do go on vacation to have new experiences, right? So this was something different. We never had to uh, to deal with, but at least, at least with a hurricane, you get time to pack up and get out as opposed to a tornado that happens, you know, just like that. But, uh, but it is really weird to be driving around and seeing everything boarded up and everybody leaving. And uh, it's just really spooky, uh, the uh, preparations for a hurricane. So certainly uh, thinking of our friends in Florida. This- So this is kind of interesting. Some of the um, uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to start your day. I saw this on the uh, Newswire. At the beginning of this year, McDonald's introduced a vegetarian McPlant burger uh, to its menus. I don't know if that's what they called it, the McPlant burger. But it's like a Big Mac, but with a uh, veggie patty made by beyond what is it beyond meat beyond burger but whatever anyway um at the time that it was introduced non-meat burger alternatives were kind of the hot trend but now mcdonald's has quietly taken the mcplant off of its menus in the u.s as have some other chains that uh gave veggie burgers a trial run Uh, plant-based meats some say they still need work before they are are a reasonable substitute for the real thing so and it brings that did you have have you ever tried one of those uh, veggie burgers at fast food restaurants here's the uh the thing i think they uh you know they're still selling them in stores uh, obviously and um and it seems as though uh they are getting a fairly decent reception consumers on store shelves, but it's different when you buy it uh, from a restaurant versus when you buy the the stuff off the shelf. Is like anything; it's just different. 
at the uh, restaurant. But uh, more of those veggie burgers uh, disappearing from menus. I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, let's see here. This is... Hmm. I thought this was uh, kind of interesting before too long. Uh, you know, get into autumn. You think autumn. You think all things Halloween. You think corn mazes. It's time for corn mazes. Uh, in Illinois, there is an incredibly detailed corn maze uh, celebrating the 60th anniversary of James Bond. <laughs> this, uh, this is hailed as the world's largest corn maze. Uh, it's a 28-acre, 28-acre corn maze with 10 miles of pathways. And uh, this year, it's a salute to super spy James Bond. Uh, let's see here. Hailed as the world lar- world's largest corn maze, the Richardson Adventure Farm in Spring Grove, Illinois. Uh, this year's design features the five main Bond actors who appeared in more than one film. Roger Moore, Timothy Dalton, Sean Connery, Daniel Craig, and Pierce Brosnan. The design also features a Bond girl a Monaco Casino, and an Aston Martin, which, of course, is uh, famous as uh, 007's vehicle. So if you want to go to the world's largest corn maze, 10 miles of pathways, I might not get out of that until Thanksgiving, until they... (laughs) Uh, 28 acres. Wow. Uh, So that's kind of cool. This was kind of interesting. A new research out of the University of Texas have now be honest has your significant other ever gotten on your nerves has it ever happened where your partner has you're on my last nerve you're getting on my last nerve well believe it or not that may actually have more to do with you than it does with them uh, researchers at the University of Texas found that the stress that you are experiencing Uh, makes you more likely to pick up on your partner's tendencies that you find to be negative. So the more stress you are under, the more sensitive you are to your uh, spouse, the the quirks of your spouse or significant other. Uh, This is not necessarily surprising, but just to have it laid out here in scientific research, they surveyed 79 newlywed couples and uh, and examined their stress levels. While one stressful day did not have much impact, accumulation of stressful events did. If stress focuses individuals' attention toward their partner's more inconsiderate behaviors, this is likely to take a toll on the relationship, says the uh, author of the study, Dr. Lisa Neff. So I thought that was interesting. Just something to keep in mind. The next time your spouse or significant other starts to get on your nerves, it may be more about you than it is about them. Keep in mind. Um, I don't know why, but I found this kind of uh, interesting. The port of New York and New Jersey, now the busiest shipping port in the U.S., outranking the California ports in Los Angeles and Long Beach for the first time. According to a new data, this is from the month of August, the shift comes as global shipping companies have increasingly been diverting goods to the East Coast on concerns that the California ports could be shut down over protracted labor negotiations with a union that represents some 22,000 dock workers. The contract actually ran out on June 30th, and shippers are worried about a pileup of freight in the Pacific Ocean that could clog up supply chains yet again. Port of New York and New Jersey processed a record 843,191 import and export containers in the month of August alone. Compare that to the Port of Long Beach at 806,940. So, it's kind of interesting. And how about this? I saw this item on the uh, Newswire, and this is definitely one of those things to kind of chew on here. This morning, make of this what you will, but uh, the latest 
list of the most foul-mouthed cities in the country is out. And the people of Oklahoma City have landed at the top of the list. Uh, Folks in the capital of Oklahoma being recognized for their use of colorful language. Oklahoma City at the top of the list of the nation's most foul-mouthed cities. A recent survey by the language learning app Preply places OKC um, at the top with Dallas, Philadelphia, and Indianapolis. Uh, so they actually... I. I read that wrong. This is this is worded. This story is worded wrong. I knew that was wrong when I said it, but I was reading the story, and uh, I said, "Wait a minute! I don't I don't think that's right." Um, let's see here: Oklahoma City, Dallas, Philadelphia, and Indianapolis are all tied at number four. Actually, um, at number one on the list. Now this is it. Well, they're tied for second, I guess. Four way tie for. Second, I've messed this up all the way. I want to say something foul mouth right now. Let me just start over. <laughs> Can we edit this out? Was it? <clears throat> so uh, the nation's most foul mouth cities, Oklahoma City, Dallas, Philadelphia and Indianapolis are all tied behind the number one city, the most foul mouthed city in the country, Columbus, Ohio. Really? Columbus, Ohio. I know this is I really messed this up because that was the that was the flashpoint. That was the you know. But uh anyway, I messed it up. But uh, Columbus, Ohio, the number one most foul-mouthed city. Uh Las Vegas and Jacksonville also uh on the list. So it's uh Columbus Okay, here it is. Columbus, Las Vegas, Jacksonville, and then Oklahoma City, Dallas, Philadelphia, and Indianapolis. Uh, All tied at number four. So there you go. Those are... That's what I'm doing. I really messed that up. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) Columbus, Ohio, the most foul-mouthed city. I just thought that was... uh, So that was the point of uh, that's something to think about. Clean up your act, Columbus. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, partly cloudy today, a chance of a few showers, a high around 60. It'll be mostly cloudy tonight, a low of 45. The Finley-Hancock County Community Foundation has awarded Finley City Schools a $100,000 grant for implementation of the Safe Defend Active Shooter Protection System. The school board approved the purchase and installation of the system at their board meeting last month. It's truly a game changer for our district, and we want to make sure that we do everything we can in keeping our our students and staff safe. So Safe Defend closes that gap, gives us an opportunity to um, decrease response time, increase our response capabilities. School board president Matt Cooper says Finley will be the first school district in Ohio to implement the system. Get more on the active shooter protection system and this grant on the website. Authorities say two men brought an AR-15 style rifle to a homecoming dance in Toledo. Police say an 18-year-old and a 19-year-old took the weapon to Bowsher High School Saturday night so that a dance attendee could pose for pictures with it. When police responded to the scene, the suspects led officers on a chase that reached speeds of 105 miles per hour. The teens were eventually caught and arrested. I'm Michael Kastner. Ohio Task Force One, the state's urban search and rescue team, is heading south to prepare to help as Hurricane Ian approaches Florida. The team's waiting for the potential impact of Ian. 47 members are heading to Alabama to wait out the storm. They are going to be bringing semis, boats, and trucks so that they can step into action. They are always ready, and so we'll track what they're doing as well. Onan's Tracy Townsend reporting. The Hancock County Engineer's Office says a road near the Finley Reservoirs is closed for a bridge replacement project. The closure of Marion Township Road 205 between Township Road 240 and Township Road 244 will last until approximately Thanksgiving. Drivers are advised to use an alternate route and uh, use caution when traveling in the area. You can get more on this and other area road projects on the website. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. 
I'm Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. So it is a growing concern among law enforcement, both locally and around the country. We've seen it in many places, including here in Findlay last week, the serious problem of swatting. Uh, false bomb threats or active shooter alerts that are phoned in quite often uh, to schools. Finley Police Chief Robert Ring is with us this morning. And uh, as we mentioned last week, we had one uh, at Finley High School. It's got to be uh, obviously frustrating whenever you get a, uh, a hoax call, a prank call, but especially in this context, especially when we're talking about a, uh, a school. Yeah, Chris, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, swatting is a situation that kind of, started to show its face around 10 years ago ballpark you started mm-hmm. getting those i mean over time things have went from pulling fire alarms to calling in bomb threats to now there's swatting situations and those are, are reports of an active crime something along those lines that that causes a mass response from law enforcement to a mm-hmm. specific scene and yes we have experienced that on friday at the high school with that with that active shooter and like we said obviously there are so many different levels of concern here uh number one the massive response as you would expect in a situation like this yeah we get a call to a school of an active shooter any place of a business of an active shooter that gets the calvary rolling if you will right right? and it's an all-unit response yeah and everybody who's working comes and other agencies come and it's just a mass a mass quantity of personnel headed to that scene so obviously that impacts the the rest of the community the uh, protection protection for the rest of the community which is diverted uh when it turns out to be needless but then whenever you have a a response of that scope there's always the possibility for something tragic to happen right you're going into a situation that you don't know you have reports of something very bad is happening you don't know that for a fact, but you have to assume that it is, and you have to go in as as safe as we can. But there is a risk to the public anytime you have a lot of police cars and ambulances and stuff like that flying to a scene to get yeah. there as quick as they can. And it's all the way around. It's yeah. there's just risks involved. And and I was thinking about this uh, the other day. That's to say nothing. I mean, I, I'm thinking about the possibility of you know physical harm coming to someone needlessly. Um, but also, you know, the the traumatic. Uh, this could be a very traumatic thing. Yeah, know, especially in a school in a yeah. school setting where exactly. you have a student who who is unaware of what's going on, and right. then when you see four or five armed officers with their weapons out entering the building to right. try to go to that room where it's reportedly this incident is occurring, I mean that's traumatic for everybody. Yeah, and of course that gets kids contacting parents it gets the parents upset they start coming to the scene mm-hmm. we obviously aren't going to let parents go into the building when we're trying to figure out what's going on for ourselves and mm-hmm. it just creates a, a a very stressful situation for everyone involved so i for the average uh lay person uh to kind of step back uh when a, a call like this comes in and when you get this uh this report how how is it and and Again, for those who don't don't know, may ask this question: Well, how do you not know that it's uh, that it's a, a a prank? Don't you get uh, all of this information about whoever is placing the call when that call comes in? Do we have we have some information from every okay. call that comes into us. Obviously, in cases like this, we do investigations after the fact to try to figure out who that person is. Mm-hmm. Um, Technology sometimes hampers that because there are ways out there to disguise who you are and where you're calling from, right? Things like those, but um, we have to take all the calls on their face value, um, and we have to investigate them, and and it's until we can prove that it's not a threat, right? That we have to consider it one. And when that call comes in, again, operating from that assumption as you have to do, um, there's no real time to 
quote unquote confirm it first. Call the office at the at the school and say, hey, right. is there something? Right. As soon as the dispatcher gets that information, they're dispatching it, and yeah. then we're responding because yeah, time would be of the essence Correct. if it were to turn out uh, to be real. And it's interesting uh, again referencing the incident last Friday. Uh, there were you know Finley wasn't the only one. Uh, there were uh, stories. A, my last count, there was at least nineteen school districts across just the state of Ohio. Nineteen in Ohio alone, yes. and I know last week there were also uh, similar incidents in other states. Some of that may be coincidence. Is there any indication or any concern that it may be some sort of coordinated thing? I'm not. I'm not trying to do a conspiracy no, theory, but these right. things do st- tend to spread on social media and so on. You know, yeah, the, I know. I mean, we only have our local incident that we're investigating, but we've forwarded our information to the state, and and there are is an investigation going on to see if we can link any of these together. I would just the amount of calls and things like that over over that one specific day, it would mm-hmm. tell you that it's somewhat coordinated. And but yeah, investigation will have to show that. Yeah. Um, and with respect to that, again, it's not like uh, something like this happens. You determine that it's uh, a hoax and that's the end of it. Right. The, yeah. There is investigation. If someone can be, we can prove that someone did place that call, then they will be prosecuted. And I, I understand that uh, just this week there was uh, some legislation introduced or proposed uh, that would make this a felony in the state of the uh, in the state of Ohio. Yeah, in, in some states, it is inducing panic in Ohio is a felony based on certain parameters, and they are talking about on these types of threats, so its own specific code that mm-hmm. creates a higher degree of, of felony. Does, would that serve as a deterrent? I mean, again, the next question logically is how do you prevent this from happening in the future? You would hope that it would serve as a deterrent, but I mean, there's no guarantees to that. I mean, crime itself, people commit crime and, and um, you can't deter everyone from not doing that. Um, so we have to, we have to try to, just make as safe of a response as we can get and then prosecute as many of these cases as we can. And then as, as that builds up, maybe it helps cut it down. But as of right now, we just have to hope that it doesn't happen. Is that uh, investigation and potential prosecution, would that be all handled locally or does that go above to like the state level or even the federal level? That, that would depend on, on what was found out. I mean, if it found out that it was one specific person doing all of these and stuff, I would not be surprised if it was handled at a higher level than just locally. Mm-hmm. But um, that's all going to just depend on the, the investigation and what that shows. Yeah. We mentioned uh, that the uh, Finley City Schools uh, are working on installing a new uh, active shooter system. Yes. And I think the last time we had you here, we were talking yeah. about that system and the benefits of it. Would that provide any additional measure of being able to verify how accurate you know uh, re- yeah anytime you get be- multiple reports of something occurring it's much more likely to be occurring and if we were to get a phone call on one end and then an activation on that alarm on the other that would that would kind of show that it's definitely much more likely that this is truly occurring yeah you so but that the, would- the response would be the same i mean we're mm-hmm. going irregardless yeah and going as quick and and fast as we can and i would imagine i i would imagine that uh again you take all of that into consideration when you think of of how to approach uh an an incident like this yeah it helps that the new system they got would help pinpoint an exact location for us Mm -hmm. that would be much easier for us to find rather than us having to hunt for a specific room uh, and those kind of things so that would definitely benefit and that's the, one of the key components of that system as to why the school wants to go to it and why we would like to see them go to it. Yeah. Um, again, so the concern uh, remains, but I think, again, the, the larger message uh, is that not only um, does this divert resources, make the community less safe, uh, run the possibility of, of something uh, tragic happening unnecessarily, mm-hmm. right. but again – the accountability uh, thing. Somebody considering doing something like this should know. Yeah, there are consequences, and believe me, no stone is left unturned when it comes to trying to find out who that person is that placed the call or text or whatever, however the message came in. 
Again, uh, Finley Police Chief uh, Robert Ring uh, this morning talking about the uh, ongoing problem of uh, swatting, which we saw happen here last week uh, locally. Uh, hopefully will be an isolated incident, but we uh, see and hear of these uh, stories all around the country. Chief Ring, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Well, kids, as we know, are naturally curious, and most kids, even some of us big kids, love learning how things work. Now, National Geographic Kids is out with a new How Things Work book with a twist. It's called Breakdown, Explosions, Implosions, Crashes, Crunches, Cracks, and More. Author Mara Grunbaum is with us this morning. And Mara, the subtitle says it is a How Things Work look at how things don't. Explain. So I have to give credit to the editors at uh, Netgeo Kids for coming up with this idea, but the the idea is, uh, you know, kind of look at, okay, so, so humans have designed all these amazing things and, you know, we do a lot of looking at sort of how do we, how do things work when we get that right? Um, but we don't always get it right, right? Yeah. Sometimes we design things and they don't work as we expected, or sometimes there are forces beyond our control, like natural disasters that uh, break things that we made. Um, sometimes there are things in nature that just break down on their own. Um, in fact, and it turns out that there's a lot to learn from that too. Um, in fact, possibly more to learn from when things go wrong, go right. So the idea behind the book is to look at, you know, how do things, uh, fall apart, break down, explode, uh, decompose. So that are looking at that and learning from it. And, and what are they learning? So this would have been right up my kid's alley because they were the kind of kids that would break things or tear them apart just to figure out how they worked. And uh, so it is a natural curiosity. I mean, if you ask anyone from my generation, if they ever cut open their Stretch Armstrong action figure to figure out how, uh, you know, this is a very relatable uh, way of presenting this material. Sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's, that's sort of our, our natural curiosity that can turn into this uh, science and engineering learning that, you know, if we, if we stick with it, um, yeah, helps us, helps us advance and, and figure things out. And, and I think it's also important, really significant, as you were mentioning, that we can often learn more from our failures than we do our successes. And on a subconscious level, that's a good lesson to teach kids as well. For sure. I mean, it's definitely something that uh, I've had to learn. A lot of people I know have had to learn and can start to better. You know, no one, no one wants to mess up. It's fun to get things right the first time, but uh, often we don't. And that's often the only a lot of examples in this book of like, uh, even the great pyramids, for example, uh, the first ones were not that great. <laughs> um, there were some that were built that, you know, they got the angle wrong and it turns out the stones couldn't stay up. Hmm. Um, but see what happened and dusting for the next time and doing that a few times over is what led to the pyramids that are still standing and that we can still admire thousands of. Wow. I, I never I never knew that aspect uh, of that. See, so, I mean, there's stuff that we can all learn uh, from this. What are some other uh, I- examples uh, from the book? Um, so, I mean, there's all sorts of things. Uh, one that I think is, is really interesting, another historical example that uh, not everyone knows about, is the Great Molasses Flood of 1919. Um, and this is something that happened in Boston. And what happened was uh, the company was storing uh, more than 10,000 tons of molasses in this uh, big above-ground metal tank. Um, they kind of built the tank themselves. They didn't bother consulting an engineer. They were like, this is fine. But then it got too warm. Ended and released some gases that pressed on the walls of the tank, and it started leaking. The rivets started popping out of the sides of the tank, and then the whole thing basically exploded, and the molasses spilled out into the streets, covered a couple of city blocks, it injured people, it broke things, um, and it it caused a lot of chaos. Um, But what happened afterwards was people went back and they studied, okay, how was this tank designed? What went wrong? Um, What rules could we have had in place? And that actually led to a lot of, 
you need to get an engineer to sign off on your plans. <laughs> you know, you need to have someone double check your calculations yeah. before you do things like this. So it really actually demonstrates uh, a couple of things, I think. Uh, number one, uh, the importance of learning from mistakes, as we were saying, and also uh, the importance of uh, paying attention to the things that we uh, do know and not uh, not ignoring uh, the the knowledge that we do have uh, because... I mean, the, the rules or the, you know, those things are, are important as well. Uh, not just learning what we don't know, but uh, making sure that we pay attention to what we do know. For sure. It's important to actually learn from those mistakes and then not make the same ones. Right. Again. And this is also true, again, uh, not just with respect to science and technology and engineering and math, there's STEM subjects that are uh, so important these days that we hear time and time and time again. Obviously, the application uh, is, is, is obvious here, but again, in so many uh, things uh, in our lives. I mean, it's, you know, it could be in business or it could be in just you know why we have rules uh, for our household. I mean, there's a lot of... Uh, uh, a lot of practical applications here. Yeah, and you know, obviously I don't get into all the other ones in the book, but I think as as kind of a way of thinking about the world, it's it's mm-hmm. very helpful uh, yeah. to know that, you know, when things go wrong there are, there are ways to So the book is called Breakdown, Explosions, Implosions, Crashes, Crunches, Cracks, and More. Uh, author uh, Mara Grunbaum is uh, with us this morning. Where do we learn more about the book, real quickly? So you can look up them they'll have more information um, they have some youtube videos as well connected to uh all the all the books that they do um and the book is available uh, online retailers local bookstore local library all over the place we will link those resources up at our webpage as well definitely worth checking out mara thanks very much for taking the time we appreciate it thank you so much for having me we interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Here is uh, today's story of unusual things being dumped on the highway. This is from uh, Maury County, Tennessee, south of Nashville, when a, a tractor-trailer load of tortilla chips <laughs> spilled... On to uh, the interstate. <laughs> Tons of, let's see here, the uh, uh, police say the 18-wheeler was carrying thousands of bags of tortilla chips <laughs> all, all over the highway. Happened this uh, past weekend. The uh, uh, semi-truck uh, crashed and, and overturned. Fortunately, the uh, truck driver, uh, only minor injuries he is expected to fully recover. Tortilla chips, not as lucky. <laughs> Only wish somebody could have uh, come by with a truckload of salsa, and then they could have just had a uh, party right there on the uh, on the highway. Uh, let's see. Speaking of roadway incidents, uh, road rage uh, incidents continue to be on the rise these days, and it seems these ill-tempered drivers are having less and less control over their emotions. One man named Carlos, and I don't have his last name here, but uh, Carlos and his girlfriend uh, filmed a wild showdown in Riverside County, California, uh, between a Honda and a Nissan on Saturday night. Uh, The uh, Nissan barreling down Interstate 15, weaving in and out of traffic. The uh, gray car actually tailgating carlos says he was tailgating me i actually moved over uh to the next lane and and let him by and the nissan went on to bother the honda and that's when uh carlos's girlfriend started recording in case anything you know escalated and they needed video evidence later her instincts were right on the money because when the nissan pulled off the highway the honda followed and pulled right up next to it uh, Carlos says the driver of the Nissan then jumped out of the car and stabbed the side door of the Honda. <laughs> the uh, driver got out and stabbed the other car. Stabbed the car. I don't know who needs to hear this, but stabbing a car doesn't really do much. The car doesn't, that's not going to hurt the car. Um, 
<laughs> she, she said, Carlo's girlfriend said we were looking at it like, oh, that's a knife. He hit the car twice. He stabbed the car. Uh, police were called, but uh, both drivers had fled the scene by the time cops arrived, so no arrests have yet been made. Uh, it's just another sign of uh, just uh, of road rage and uh, another cautionary tale about engaging with irate and reckless drivers. Your car might get stabbed, of all things. It's just weird. Uh, let's see. A man in Troy, New York, has been arrested after slamming his vehicle into an AT&T store in Niskayuna, New York. Uh, police say the incident involving 29-year-old Stephen Carrion happened yesterday at the business um, located in a local shopping plaza. Once inside the store, Mr. Carrion allegedly began smashing items with a baseball bat before being taken into custody. No one in store, no one inside the store was injured. Uh, it says uh, police have not determined a motive for Mr. Carrion's actions, but it was a cell phone store. And I think we've all been there, you know, <laughs> I think we've all experienced that level of frustration with a cell phone store in the past, you know. <laughs> you want to drive your car into the building and start smashing things up. Uh, we've been there. Yeah. It's fully uh, understandable. Not that you should do it, but we understand the emotion that drives one to want to do it. I enjoy <laughs> um, This was uh, early Sunday morning in uh, Wilson, North Carolina. Uh, 37-year-old Eric Leith Malloy uh, was placed under arrest as being held for mental evaluation after he was arrested for burglary. And then <laughs> officers responded to a call of a break-in, arrived to find uh, Mr. Malloy barricaded inside a shed on the property. And while inside, he decided to set it on fire. That seems like an odd thing to do with your with yourself still inside. <laughs> that's that's generally not going to end well. Maybe he was uh, concerned, you know, police surrounding the uh, the shed. <laughs> How am I going to get out of this? I know I'll set it on fire. Um, eventually, <laughs> Mister Malloy figured out that that probably wasn't the best plan and was left with no choice but to surrender to the crisis team. Who had responded, no charges have been filed so far. <laughs> the bizarre incident. And finally, in the broken news this morning, and this is all kinds of weird. A New Jersey man is accused of desecrating the grave of his ex-wife. Uh, Linda Torello's family said they found on surveillance video. I didn't know they had surveillance video at a cemetery, but apparently at this cemetery, they have surveillance video and, uh, they, they noticed that someone had been relieving himself on, on their mother's grave. Uh, once they got a good look at the uh, surveillance footage, they found out it was her ex-husband. <laughs> now that's the very definition of, you know, let it go, man. I mean, she's gone. Let it go. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's bad blood that, uh, uh, lasts into the hereafter. Uh, the family says they're not sure why, uh, Linda's ex is acting this way since they were only married for about one year, 40 years ago, <laughs> but apparently he's still holding a grudge. Um, he has been charged with uh, desecrating his ex-wife's graves and uh, public urination. The family wants more serious charges. I'm not sure what other the uh, charges there would be, but they are uh, looking for more. That's holding a grudge right, right there, straight into the hereafter. Uh, there you go. Uh, that is today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. And
another major brand just announced it's halting all social media advertising. The two most overused and abused words in advertising are truth and trust. They are the two most precious commodities for all brands, big and small. As an advertiser, you have to trust your partners to protect your brand's truth using the media consumer's trust. Radio, it's on. This message provided by WFIN. Time now for your daily download. The numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. You know, this is the ongoing lingering question uh, post-pandemic is the uh, paradigm of work and what that looks like moving forward for those who, during the pandemic, were relegated to working from home, working remotely, a lot of folks found that they kind of liked it. And it really did not impact productivity all that much, at least in the short term. And so it has been one of the lingering questions, is this something that is going to be permanent and businesses are not necessarily as quick to embrace the permanency of remote work or hybrid work as employees have been. But it does seem as though, at least in some cases, employers are sort of coming around to this idea. Uh, This is a new poll of 2,000 employed Americans. And I thought the numbers here show that we may have found the equilibrium on this. We may be exactly where we are going to stay on this. Uh, According to the survey, about two in five Americans say they are living the dream by working remotely. Less than one in 10 would opt voluntarily to work on location full time. Uh, So if given the opportunity to build their dream schedule, 42% of workers would opt for mostly remote work with occasional days in office. 42%. Uh, Let's see here. 26% would choose an entirely remote schedule, and 9% would want to work entirely in the office. Okay, so... Remember those numbers and compare that to the reality. 39% say that they work remotely most of the time with occasional days in office. 24% work entirely remotely. And uh, let's see here. It says only one in five, about 20%, have more in-person work days than remote. Uh, So, again, compare those numbers of what the respondents in the survey said would be their dream situation and what the reality is. 42% would opt for mostly remote work with occasional days in office. In reality, 39% work remotely most of the time with occasional days in office. So we're right there. I mean, within a couple of percentage points. 26% say that they would choose an entirely remote schedule. 24% say they work entirely remotely. That's the reality. So, again, right there. Uh, 9% would work entirely on location. Uh, It says about 20% have more in-person work days than remote. So there's a little bit of a disconnect there. But you can see that we are starting to find the equilibrium. Well, it certainly did not take long after the autumnal equinox for Mother Nature to put us on notice that uh, autumn is here. Right. And, I mean, it was like a switch. I love it, though. It was like warm the last it, day of summer, and then yep. it's like, okay, here's fall. <laughs> and here it is. Boom. There we go. <laughs> and it has been uh, that the uh, uh, cool autumn air is already yes. arrived, and the colors of the season cannot be all that far behind um i know that officially 
there are no like the Department of Natural Resources hasn't started their fall foliage reports and and all of that yet. But I'm seeing some color oh, already. Yes. And even in like August, you would see like the yellows are coming out first, so mm-hmm. you would see things. And then if you've got um, buckeye trees, those are the first tree to lose their leaves. So they'll start late August, early September. So mm-hmm. it's really before the official day of official. fall. Yeah, a lot of those don't have their leaves even at this point. They, so, just, they just drop them early. So there are all kinds of environmental factors that play into when the leaves actually turn, right? There's, I mean, I know, that, like you said, the, the well, yellows growing, usually go first. Right, you, and then, right, and then you get into your oranges and your reds and your purples, and then some yeah. are brown. Yeah. And then, like I said, buckeyes drop early, and yeah. then you have trees like beeches and oaks, which usually turn a brown, but then hold on to the leaves for most of the winter. And most, okay. most drop. Yeah. So different species of trees do different do different things. Yeah. And of course, just so everyone knows, that color is there year round. I don't know if people right. realize that. Right. It's that chlorophyll, which is the green pigment, is on top. So mm-hmm. it's like wearing um, a t-shirt with a sweater over top. You can't yeah. see the t-shirt, but, but it's, it's there. still there. Yeah. It's still there. So mm-hmm. it's they stop making that chlorophyll. They stop producing food. And that's they know when it's the getting colder. Right. And that's when. Yeah. Than the color that's underneath, sure. and and if I'm and if I'm remembering right, and I know we've uh, had the conversation with uh, you know tree people <laughs> in the past. <laughs> I don't know what you technically call them, um, who are experts on this, yes. and they would say that the that the weather has a lot to do with how brilliant the colors are and yeah, how sometimes it's well it, they, it's is it a dry season? Is it a wet? I don't know yeah. all the specifics on that, but yes, there's yeah. definitely those things that. Right, and I think this year was I was going to I don't think we had an overly wet, overly dry. Yeah. So I know last year, the year before, they really weren't, they didn't pop. It was very muted and not very bright seems, and brilliant. Yeah. So I, hopefully this year we'll, we'll have that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm thinking that we've had a pretty good season to, you know, get a good color season. So, so we'll see. It's just nice and cool. I'm glad, you know, and then there's, the, of course, the Indian summer, but... I think that was last week, the end of summer, I'm hoping. <laughs> the weird heat index in, you know, late yeah. September that luckily didn't get too hot. But but the bottom yeah. line is that we are definitely uh, getting this taste of autumn and we know that it's here. Yes. So you've got some great stuff uh, coming up in the month of October, which again, hard to believe. We're talking about October already. I know. And Tenth so, month of the year. And, and I said, it's happening. cooler out. Um, so for, for those of you who remember, we have our hike it program going on. That's something where we set up, you know, there's 11 different trails within our parks and park areas in the county. You can go on HancockParks.com, look up information, stop by our office on East Main Cross. It's totally free. You can pick up a walking stick or if you've done it for years, there's new maps and and park locations on there. Um, And you have to do that until the end of November. So, again, you have to worry about the heat now and mosquitoes and that kind of stuff. But, um, of course, it's October and that means our annual Autumn Fest uh, celebration at Lutzenberg Memorial Woods, which will be taking place on Saturday, October 15th. And okay. so this is our big fall event that we have out there. It's from 1 until 5. It's family-friendly. It's free. Um, some of our regular things, that we, ha- we have horse-drawn hay rides. We're going to have soup cooking and a kettle over the fire mm. that we'll do little samples of, um, usually kind of the mid, uh, mid-event that happens. The McKinnis House will be open and the workshop. And so you can go visit with our costume interpreters, live animals in our wagon shed. Um, the Mule Skinners is going to be the band that will be playing in the activity barn. Okay. Popcorn cider. You know, you can go out and hike the trail. Yeah. So it's just a great. Um, we're going to have some different vendor people there selling some of their homemade items. Um, and the, and also our plein air paint out that we've been kind of coinciding with Autumn Fest will be taking place in the afternoon. And so you might see people kind of in the middle of the event sitting and drawing Mm-hmm. You know, and and feel free to go up and ask questions or see what they're doing, and then they'll be showing some of their pictures um, later in the afternoon in the activity bar. That is going to be a lot of fun, and the it would be again as you mentioned the McKenna's house is going to be open. Yeah. It would be a very busy time of the year. It, it obviously. is. Well, yes, and for, for and for the pioneers, I mean, they would be um, kind of harvesting. We just did um, this past Sunday. Our open house was on pickling. So they would have been putting away, remember, no refrigeration, no, right. you know, it would have been cold storage, ice blocks, straw. Um, they would have dried or salted or pickled probably just about everything to mm-hmm. 
kind of keep it continued because remember they ate from their garden mm-hmm. and and you know would be eating from all that until till spring comes and they can get some greens and mm-hmm. you know so they're eating probably a lot of beans and yeah pickled eggs and all that <laughs> <laughs> yummy 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 all that good stuff but yeah yes. preparing for i mean you know harvesting and then preparing for the winter and all it was that would have been a very very busy time right right and you know and so. i don't know which one was more important in the spring with the planting and making sure all your crops are in mm-hmm. and then watching all of that um, this time of year, too, is that first frost, which we had some frost warnings in our early, you know, they wouldn't have known. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's cold. Like there's going to be a frost tonight. There's no weatherman back then. So right. I don't know how they prepared or probably they probably just kept notes. Yeah. Okay. Well, this that's year, where all of those. The uh, almanac kind of thing. All, right. All of those wives tales, uh, you know, came, came right. about. If with there's the certain things, this is happening. Yeah. Right. This is yeah. happening. So they were probably aware of some of it, but obviously don't have the technology we have today to say, right. hey, this is happening. Bring your plants in, cover your yeah. plants outside type of thing. So but that'll yes, be interesting. Definitely uh, an interesting component of the uh, Autumn Fest. Yeah, definitely would have been a major, major time. Um, that's why kids didn't go to school in the fall because everybody was. Yeah, gathering. until all of that stuff was done because right. there were too much to be done. Right, and that would have been yeah. wintertime. So mm-hmm. kids would have went back in the yeah. wintertime. Uh, you also have, speaking of, you know, uh, seeing the fall colors and enjoying the, the fall, you've still got a couple of float trips. Another great way of seeing the colors. Yes, so again, scenery. a little change this year. We used to do them every weekend after Labor Day into early November, and this year we have some set weekends. Okay. So the next one coming up is going to be the 8th and the 9th. Saturday and Sunday, and then two weeks after that. So the weekend after Autumn Fest, which will be the 22nd and 23rd. So these take place, same Zonta Landing there at Riverside Park. You go upriver and come back. But the difference is it starts at 1 o'clock, and then we need you to pre-register. So hop on the website, again, HancockParks.com. And we only have single kayaks and canoes available for renting. We'll take up to 12 people. It's $10 a person, basically. So kind of our special float trip option. Okay, You can... Float upriver leisurely, Again. and now, like I said, you know, in a couple weeks' time, the colors are really going to be, sure. you know, and and to me, that's perfect. I don't want to be out when it's hot yeah. <laughs> in the summer when people well, and again, people go out. I mean, you can bundle up and, and see it, the fall color on the river. And, yeah, and as we've talked about before, it's a, a whole different perspective uh, on that. Right, right. And you've you come see. out. We do have a lot of regular people that would come out throughout the season and, and go. So, right, it's a different time to be out mm-hmm. and see that fall color and stuff. Yeah from the river good stuff uh so just some of the uh, highlights a lot of things going on uh, in the uh, month of october we've got a link up on our webpage for more information because it is on your website too right it is yep so hancockparks.com for all october programs very good again michelle roomslug from the uh, hancock park district with us this morning thanks very much for dropping by thanks for having me and that will finish up our podcast for today thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the show remember you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the program, just head to our webpage for that, goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, even in a tight labor market, one in four older workers are struggling to find jobs. We'll talk about how to recognize the signs of age discrimination and what to do about it. Until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.